What up, everybody? I'm going to initiate a call to action for everyone to donate $1.99 so that you can access the back catalog of the podcast as well as to help your podcast grow. I'm trying to grow the podcast and I want to do that with you guys and make it better and brighter and bring you more information. So if you want to access the back catalog and help support me as an artist, I appreciate you. And please donate at anchor.fm underneath Lockdown Universe. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back. Happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing well and taking care of yourselves. So today, we're going to go back to the Spy Museum and talk about a few more items that the United States, Europe, the former Soviet Union, and some other countries in Europe, uh, as well as others, have used over the years to engage in spy activities, uh, ranging from uh, alien engagement as well as uh, spying on other countries. Um, so let's get into it. <laughs> um, one of the one of the most recent, more recent, I should say, not most recent, more recent um, entries into the spy museum was the insectocopter, insectothopter. <laughs> um, so a, a lot of us know that there has been a lot of usage of, um, insect like cameras over the years. In the last podcast, I talked about how there was a pigeon, uh, that carried a camera in 1917 and 18. Well, 1990s, they, they have, uh, this insectothopter from Russia, um, that they had captured. Now, the Russian intelligence made this model of the CIA's original 1976 insectothopter. So our own country had it way before they did. They copied us, and we copied them too. But uh, they copied us on this one, and it's a dragonfly-shaped drone that carried a microphone. Uh, it was too small to be remotely controlled, and there was no surveillance equipment tiny enough for it to carry. Today, intelligence agencies use similar devices that are fully controllable and can carry out surveillance, and they're even smaller. And I love when they say this on the website because these guys know what they're talking about. So if it's even smaller than this Dragonfly helicopter, which was about the size of like four quarters, it looks like, three to four quarters because they've got a quarter next to it, um you know, think about it. I mean, they probably have, I mean, I mean, we know that they have insect, um, or fly sized, um, robotics now we can, I mean, it's not a secret, like they're, it, it's out there in the media. Um, and they've even made like mosquito sized as well. Um, 
And I, I swore I've heard through the grapevine and like conspiracy theories that like people have been bitten by like robot mosquitoes and like it was like a big deal and like people thought they were getting injected with something that was you know negative or you know potentially harmful or fatal very interesting story stuff um but yeah they got this dragonfly here and i mean again right this is this is a 1990 copy of a 1976 copy so we're talking still like over 40 years ago you know so we're talking like 45 44 years ago here so uh 46 years ago i mean you're talking half a century again right so this is this is old tech, man. Old, old tech. They're way ahead of this now. Um, another interesting entry, um, and, and one of one of the things that they they really like to do is they like to they like to give folks presents and pretend like they're they're friends with these nations, right? They'll often give them like an award or uh, a, a painting or a clock. Or something with within with which it could be concealed to have some recording device, and this has been used for probably over a century and a half. Um, you know, to give another country's head of state some item that says, "This is our friendship. I'm giving you this. Thank you for being our partner, our friend." But really, we're spying on you. Um, that's <laughs> that's one of one of my favorites. Um, this is interesting. 2016 France has uh, a rat concealment reproduction model here. During the Cold War, the CIA used gutted rats as dead drops, places to hide messages, money, and film to be passed to agents. The rats were doused with pepper sauce to deter scavenging cats fascinating fascinating stuff this is particularly interesting because just today i was out with my dogs walking and one of my dogs just looks up at me he's all happy and he's like look what i got look what i got and it's a dead rabbit head i'm like where's the body and it's gone you know so it clearly had been killed um and it just reminds me that like yeah you could use you know dead things just to hide things during war anything is up for grabs um, so yeah, as morbid as it might be pretty fascinating stuff. Um, uh, and again, right, this is spy stuff. This is stuff that you had to like, you know, you had to hide and you had to become really, really adept at hiding, uh, things. What is this? A well bike from 1942 to 1945. This mini motorcycle was a world war two quick escape vehicle. The British special ops. Uh, officers parachuted behind enemy lines with a bike in an airdrop container. When they hit the ground and unfolded the bike, they were on the road within 11 seconds. And this thing, it looks like it's gas powered. It looks like, yeah, it looks like it has a gas tank. It has an engine on it. Um, apparently it could be unfolded. You know what this looks like? It looks like those Honda Ruckuses and these like long bikes that they're modding now to be long. But this stuff is like, you know, obviously way earlier. Um, but I tell you what, it looks pretty badass, man. Um, they have like the old leather black seat. The uh, the entire bike frame is painted in camo. Um, the tires are black, but the back has a has a camo fender on it, um, and it almost has like bike like bicycle like handles on it. Um, 
And I could see how this thing could be used really easily in warfare um, to be parachuted in, maybe, you know, in a backpack or, you know, in a container with you as you parachute out and uh, just quick escape, you know, because you have to be able to move fast in warfare. Um, so I think that's that's genius, um, you know, to have something that's small enough, low enough and can get you from point A to point B with enough miles per gallon, you know, because it's got to hold gas. Um, to get you somewhere quickly and then you can just ditch it right i mean it's not like it's like high tech or anything like that um where you you care if they get it um and it was probably used for like very special op you know things you know uh, missions and maybe you know if you were good enough and it wasn't too far you could get that thing back and to your rendezvous point and get picked up um what is this a cryo crypto machine Interesting. Let's take a look at this one. So, a Kryha, K-R-Y-H-A, crypto machine from the 1930s in the UK. This thing looks like like an old like rotary phone without the phone part of it, without the handle part of it, and it's got the entire alphabet. It's got a it's got a bunch of numbers on it, and then it's got even a bigger alphabet with more numbers above those. So developed in the 1920s, the Cryhow was a clockwork-driven mechanical device for encryption and decryption. Okay, so this kind of makes sense. In 1933, the U.S. Army was asked to evaluate the security of the device. The challenge message, which was 1,135 characters long, was deciphered by William Friedman, and it took 2 hours and 41 minutes. So this thing is, it was a mechanical device for encryption and decryption. So it's kind of like a, a decryption device. Um, this is fascinating to me because, you know, there's so many movies about like encrypted messages, right? Messages that had to be passed along. And how can you encrypt them so that the enemy can't understand your messages? Well, 1930s, this is before World War II, after World War I, you know, they're, they're continuing to develop their tech, the U.K., um, and our own infantry and, and military was developing our own, uh, you know, methodologies. We had the wind talkers, right? Then the Native Americans that were willing to come with and fight and, and utilize um, Navajo language um, on the radio so that their radio transmissions couldn't be deciphered so that when they go overseas... They don't have the Navajo language over there. They don't know it at all, and it's pretty, pretty unknown, right, to to most Americans. So who the heck in Germany is going to know what it is, right? Um, so yeah, this is this is like the fascinating stuff that I I love about history. Um, let's take a look at the <laughs> Morton Storm passport from the two thousands from Denmark and the CIA. So Morton Storm traveled to some of the most dangerous places in the world, in the Middle East, North Africa, and Asia, while working for Western intelligence agencies. So this guy, he's he's been a good friend of this spy museum, and he's given um, he's given them a lot of a lot of spyware, um, and so he also allowed them to have his uh, his passport, which I think is pretty cool. And he's, he's from uh, Denmark. And uh, there's a whole bio on him there. Um, and yeah, maybe he was like a dual 
a dual uh, agent because it says Denmark slash CIA. So I think that might that might be worth uh, doing a little bit more investigation um, as well. Now, if you like chess, let's talk about a chessboard concealment artifact out of East Germany in 1961. If you had this chessboard, it might look like a regular chessboard from the outside, but if you poked a paperclip into the center hole of this chessboard, you could release the hidden locking mechanism. Inside, there were compartments for a Uranus II microdot camera that you could take out and capture hidden information on so that you could uh, capture info on your uh, enemies. Uh, fascinating because all every uh, square on this chessboard had a dot on it. So these dots didn't really mean much of anything. They just looked like they were dots on a chessboard. But the middle dot was the one that was the important one. That one you could take a paperclip, push it in, and then it would eject out um, not only pieces um, from the inside, the pieces of the chessboard, but also a micro dot camera hidden within that people would not expect. And that is some top-level stuff. So imagine, right, you're going to go, let's say you want to make friends with a head of another state. You say, hey, okay, I want to come over and play chess. I got a chess board. Let's play. Boom, check this out. Look at how cool this is. If I push this button, it pops open two hidden compartments that hold my chess pieces. He's not thinking about the fact that there might be a hidden camera in there too, right? Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating stuff, man. Fascinating stuff. Um, let's take a look at... <clears throat> The Hollow Coins from the 1950s to the 1990s, KGB Hollow Coins. So Hollow Coins basically are what they sound like. They're coins made made to look like the regular federal currency, whether it's Russia, whether it's East Germany, whether it's the United States. This is from Russia and from the KGB. They had hollow coins that easily concealed microfilm and microdot cameras. They were opened by inserting a needle into the tiny hole in the front of the coin and used by the KGB from the 1950s all the way up to the 1990s. <laughs> like, that's how good they were. And within, you can see, they have a picture of it here. Within, you can see how easily it would be to conceal some film and a, and a very small camera. That is really cool because I always, I'm always such a fan of, like, monetary uh you know coin just coins in general collector collector's items um and things like that i think it's super super cool um again there's some some uh not so appropriate uh <laughs> items there that i will go into uh in the next podcast because i think they're definitely worth it i, I know i said that i was gonna do it this time um so check this out so there's lots of uh, there's lots of ways to listen in on people um, if you're close enough. But what if you want to leave something um, that might be out in an area that you're never going to be able to access because it's out in the open, right? It's just too much out in the open. They developed the CIA, our own guys, developed a tree stump to to just look like a tree stump, but it was a listening device. So let's take a look at this bad boy. This thing is big and it looks like a satellite or something. It's really cool. A solar-powered concealment device was used to intercept radar and communication signals. The U.S. intelligence 
designed a device to look like a tree stump and then planted it in a wooded area near Moscow. Now, why would they do that, you wonder? They wanted to bug a bug inside to eavesdrop on radar and communications from nearby uh, Soviet air bases. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating stuff there. I'm going to pull up some more info. Hang on. So since we're on this cipher trip, and there are some amazing cipher machines that they have at the Spy Museum, they have, I'll, I'll talk about this, they have the Jefferson Cipher Disk, the Thomas Jefferson Cipher Disk. Okay, now that's not really so much as a disk as it is like kind of like what looks like a rolling pin with a bunch of letters on it. And it looks like, looks like they got about like 20, I don't know, 25 or so columns of different, with letters on every single column that um, can spin. And it was invented by Thomas Jefferson, and this wheel cipher, they call it, was a way for folks to transfer messages between allies using a special code. The ingenious cylindrical cipher was a secure method to encode and decode messages. Nearly 150 years later, the U.S. Army used a similar device, the M94, to encrypt messages until early World War II. This thing, it looks ancient, man. It looks like it was made in the Flintstones era. And I know Thomas Jefferson and the Founding Fathers were alive quite a while ago, but it, it definitely looks old. And it, that's pretty cool because, I mean, to have something that's like... What's that pushing on? It's pushing on, you know, 230 years old now. Of 1790, right? If I'm math serves me correctly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some really cool cipher stuff that they have here. The other cipher <laughs> that they had or secret way of communicating hidden messages was through Josephine Baker's sheet music in 1928 to 1937. So the, there was an American entertainer. Her name was Josephine Baker. Uh, it appears that she was a, uh, a dancer as well as maybe a singer. And uh, she was also an agent for the French intelligence. How did she smuggle her information to the Allies? On sheet music. Concealed amongst musical notes were other notes in invisible ink about German military strategies and troop movements. She was awarded the Croix de Guerre uh, by the French military, honoring resistance agents who fought with the Allies against the Axis forces. And you can see her sheet music here. So it had some invisible ink on it. And it just, it just blows my mind the sheer amount of like ingenuity that goes into this. And it's not like just the idea, right? Like there's, there's people that could be idea men, but it takes a, takes time and effort and trial and error to make an idea become reality. So for them to take their time and really figure this out and make sure that they wouldn't get caught uh, is pretty impressive. So I did promise you guys I would pull up some uh, <laughs> maybe R-rated um, spy gadgets that they have uh, that they had created. So I'm going to make another podcast uh, right now that'll pull up some brand new R-rated versions of the spy tech days of yore from the U.S. military as well as from around the world. So thanks for listening. I hope you guys are enjoying these. Uh, I, I may do a couple more. 
Uh, if you're not interested in them, that's okay. Uh, but I, I'm finding them fascinating. I want to share them with you guys, see what you have to say. So feel free to leave a comment in the comment section. Um, you know, let me know what you think. Let me know if you've been to the spy museum. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. I hope you guys are taking care of your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, following through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams, whatever they may be. And as always, continue to question that universe around you. There's a lot of stuff going on around. And I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a lot of military helicopters flying out in uh, the rural Midwest. So uh, I don't know what that means. But I've done some pretty cool recordings, and uh, I'm keeping my eyes on the skies. Everything from multiple single-propeller helicopters to double, uh, double. Uh, what do they call them, Tomahawk helicopters? I have to look up what kind they are. Maybe Chinook helicopters. I know those were from Vietnam. But they're the double-propeller. double, double propeller. And, man, those things make a hell of a sound when they come over or come close to your house. Uh, a hell of a sound. Way, it's way different than a single-propeller because these things are beating air into submission so that this thing can fly they're not using like common common uh, aerospace tech of you know the planes use trying to mimic a bird they're submitting the air to its will through chopping um and it's way different it's so freaking loud so yeah that's some stuff too that i might talk about anyway you guys take care of yourselves lockdown universe out